Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Alvaro with uh, Life List, a birding podcast. And uh, today I am George, but <laughs> we do have Molly Brown here and George Armistead with us. And uh, how are you guys doing? Good. Good, yeah, man. Good. You We're do good. a good George. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I You're mean, getting you some sh- practice. I know. I, in the other the episode I did myself, I actually pretended to be here for a bit. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's as far as I've gotten the editing so far. It's you pretending to be George. Oh wow! I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> it's not even me. It's not even a good pretend. But I just uh, you know. for for some reason I'm hearing like like Doctor Nick's voice from The Simpsons as well. You. <laughs> Like pretending to be me. I don't know. I don't know why. I, know. But, yeah. I don't know why. That's yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah. yeah, I know. Hey, hey, hey. Um, <laughs> but boy, I've, uh, we're later going to talk about what I've been up to because I just arrived in the country like I, seemingly hours ago. You know, I, I slept for a few hours. But you I'm look just, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, though, Al. I, I'm I know, impressed. Because yeah. it's, you know, it's probably late afternoon in my head right now rather than right. you know, nine in the morning or eight, nine, eight thirty <laughs> in the morning. But uh, it's, uh, you know, what you guys been doing? What's going on? Well, Not we much? were both saying that we've both been hunkered down a little bit. Yeah. Winter weather's been hitting this way a good bit. So that's affects a lot. But Georgie yeah. said it's been pretty nasty over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm sort of a, as, as many people no, I'm kind of really a cranky old man, and I've been that way since I was about 18 years old. Um, That's why you're so good at it. You've been practicing. <laughs> I I got to say, I'm I'm really settling into it now. Like I'm re- I'm really you know getting into it, I'm starting to really you know own it. Um, so like I love the snow. Like freshly fallen snow is wonderful. Like as it's happening, you know, it's so quiet. It's so quiet. You know, the snow just tamps down all the sounds and it just is so quiet and beautiful after it's fallen. But within hours after it's done, it just becomes a pain, man. And it's just like, you know, you can't really get around easily. You got to shovel the walk, you know, there's salt you're tracking into the house. Now the dog loves it and he, go, you know, every day he goes out there first thing, rolls around in it. But yeah, I mean, we, it is nice. It's the first snowfall we've had here really in two years, uh, since I blocked in my neighbor that time when we moved into oh, this yeah. house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First time <laughs> since then. And it's, you know, it's a big snowfall. It was, it was beautiful, but I'm, it's like at this point, it's keeping me indoors mostly. Uh, there's been some nice goose flights going over most, you know, Canada's, um, and a lot of birds at the feeders, which is nice, but I really haven't got out much. I'm heading out on Friday for India. And, uh, you know, you, you guys know how it is. The, the few days, the week before a tour is kind of always the most stressful time, but before a big trip, cause you're just like trying to get everything done and it gets to the point where it's just, when you get on the plane, you're like, okay, whether it's done or not, I'm going now, <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm really, I'm kind of looking forward to getting to that point. Uh, cause I've just been kind of cranking and trying to get everything in order beforehand so yeah i haven't really been doing much aside from a little bit of yard burning how about you molly yeah i uh well i'm i'm also i've got two weeks before i take off um but i've kind of switched up my my travel 
pattern or it's just so happened to be that because typically I take fairly short trips and they're pretty evenly spaced really. Um, but I've had this long gap really besides coming over to Maryland for that, um, pelagic. I haven't been out like outside of West Virginia much the past couple months. Um, but in, in a couple weeks I'm heading out to Columbia for a hill star tour and I'm staying for like a month ish. Um, so I'm still working on those plans. Yeah, it's, I'm excited. That's the longest trip I'll have ever taken. So um, I I feel like I still have a lot of time, but I know that the week before I'll be scrambling just like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome, um, though. Yeah, but I guess I um, am also a little stir crazy. We've we've had a lot of snow too, and it's been really cold um, teens. Um, yeah, and lower. So I've been out some and. Lakes are frozen, waterfowl have been on the river here, so that's been nice just to, to do some birding and get out. And I've actually done a, a decent amount of hiking in the snow and stuff. Um, but a couple things came together, and I, today I'm scrambling in a short version because um, after we get done recording, I'm taking off to drive to Florida um, to head down. Yeah, so a couple things came together. Um, one... A, a friend who's a client um, that I do work for for Nighthawk, I have his booth materials, and he texted me on Friday and said, "Hey, can you ship those to Florida?" And I was like, "Oh no, this is—it's a whole like backdrop setup. It's going to be really expensive." So that kind of got my gears turning. I debated on going down during the Space Coast Festival anyway, and I just wasn't because it's—it's it's right before I'm taking off for more travel. Um, but I'm a little stir crazy too. And it's been cold for a while. But what really pushed me over um, was because here at the Avian Rehab Center, the the ACCA, um, there's been a a lease bittern that's been around for about three weeks in ACCA's care. Uh, It's like there's no county records for lease bittern here or anything. But it was found along the road in sort of a residential area in just a... There, there's a tiny little like cattail marsh right there, and it was found right around this Christmas is in, time in West Virginia, in Morgantown, West Virginia. Yeah, wow, that's um, wild. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I guess somebody thought it was an owl, which <laughs> it, if it's crumpled up along the road, I mean, it right, would look or if it's like looking that. right at you, they can, you can kind of get that binocular view. But yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so um, it was found. It was picked up brought in it had like minor soft tissue damage and otherwise was just really underfed so um had a very guarded prognosis but surprisingly has done extremely well if you look up avian conservation center of appalachia you can see videos of it eating minutes. yeah i've been seeing those <laughs> i've been seeing those posts on, on so instagram cool. yeah it's it's doing fantastic it's gained a ton of weight so i asked katie who who runs it and her husband jesse who's the vet there um, if they thought it would be releasable if it were taken to a suitable habitat for the winter, because otherwise it's it's just got to right. be kept here until April. And That's then long haul. A yeah. lot of minnows every day. Yeah, it's tough. You know, like, there are my, like there's there are broadwing hawks and things like that that end up having to winter here. There's a yellow warbler that was getting really close to you know being able to be released before it would be too late for it to reasonably be out around here. Um, but they said, yep, they, they flight tested it, did the full exam to make sure everything was okay to be releasable. So I'm um, uh, grabbing did it this afternoon. Did they have a wind tunnel where they flight test these birds? You know, no. 
That'd be nice. <laughs> ACCA is not there yet. But. Maybe, maybe Alvaro, you want to you want to make a donation, and it could be the Alvaro right. Jaramillo wind tunnel. Yeah, you know, food right, for like, like an eponym, eh? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, actually, just yeah. get us a modus tower, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, that would be really. Maybe cool. we get the city of Chicago to you know promote a wind tunnel. <laughs> like, Windy nice. city kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and. Get uh, those out. Yeah. How do you know at least veterans gain weight? Like they always look skinny, you know, to me. It's like, I mean, it's sort of like one of those birds that just is right. kind of skinny yeah. looking. You know, I guess you got to look and see if there's little meat on the bones there. Check those yeah. fat deposits. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't oh related God. to its weight, but you should also look at the x-rays of it. It's really, really cool. There's one of its neck all curled up and one of it fully extended. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's oh, wow. awesome. It's like all neck. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's going and we're just driving overnight so that we're releasing it like first thing in the morning, trying to minimize stress, keeping it dark in the car and you know, they're, they're dying so when it should be sleeping. That's a good part of the world for yeah. least bitterns down there. I probably, the most I've seen is in winter down in Florida and some of those wetland spots. So hopefully he'll be in a spot where he, yeah. well, he, she will be in a spot where he's, where it is very happy mm-hmm. catching, catching lots yep. of other things. I've been you looking know, at reports and stuff, so there there are plenty there. That's where I got my lifer too. Huh. <laughs> nice. now, at least bitterns, um yeah, we don't get too many down here, but over here, but they're around. Um but mm-hmm. I did want to say like you guys are like talking about winter and and uh the cold and so forth. One of the things that came to mind is that here, independently, a lot of people like multiple people who are not necessarily like super huge birders but even a lot of backyard birders are have been saying that they have fewer birds at the feeders than ever before my father's been saying that here this winter as well yeah and and i was thinking that's really weird because i am getting fewer sparrows than i usually do and other people are talking about various other species and i thought maybe it just hasn't been cold enough farther north and they, you know, there's just a lot of food farther north, and they, they just didn't come down, you know, like they're just up there. And then, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. But I did think that this would be a really great eBird, like if you could just take the data out from eBird on some key species that are backyard birds, mm-hmm. and see what what the numbers are this year. That would be interesting. Or yeah. Hour or whatever of observation. But the fact well, the that great, multiple people independently said it is kind of weird. Yeah. When's the great backyard bird count? February coming up. Soon, right? Like first yeah. second week of February. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. I wonder if it's it's real or if or if it's just, you know, one the of the great those backyard bird that, count. <laughs> no, I mean that that this this potential fewer birds here, where are they kind of uh um scenario. because you can you can wrap your mind thinking something is true because you hear it and then you sort of everything that confirms that you kind of see <laughs> rather than everything that uh, doesn't confirm it you know so um, anyway you know what we should talk about something brand new that we're doing that uh, we've been kind of planning for a while Juicy. you know and and why don't you guys tell the the folks about the newsletter sure about yeah this newsletter yeah, I hope folks will check this out. There is a link on the homepage um, for Lifeless Burning Podcast, and also 
you can, if you go to media on the Hillstar Nature site, you'll see there's a tab there uh, where you can you can check it out and sign up. We just had our first one go out, what, week before last? And yeah, the idea is, you know, to kind of have a nice mix of things we think are interesting, um, <clears throat> you know, events, articles. We have a section called Headlines from Around the World in our first one that has um, an article, a link to an article on how fairy wrens teach their babies to sing before they're hatched. Um, and we talk about um, um, a, a, there's a whole bunch of different things here. Um, you know, there's updates on finalizing the listing of black cap petrel as an endangered species, which happened fairly recently. There's we always include a little bird quiz for the trivia folks. So if you have trivia, please also send it along. We could use some good trivia, bird trivia questions. I love that stuff, as we've talked about before. And our friend Eric Bonesley is the one who's uh, who is compiling the info. But if you send it to our email address on our on our yeah. site, it'll get to Eric. And um, and then yeah, we have some just general articles on stuff we think is cool. Um, you know, there'll there'll be some personal stuff for for Molly Alvaro and I in, in there as well. Uh, it's short. It's not a it's not a big long read. It's basically sort of a digest of stuff we think is interesting or and fun. And um, and then of course there's info on some of the tours that we're associated with. So. You know, it's new. We're we're looking for feedback on this, and yeah, but we'd really like to uh, encourage folks to sign up and get that. And um, you know, we're 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 testing it out here, seeing how it goes. It's it comes out every two weeks, so um, you know, it's not it's not something that's going to fill up your inbox uh, like crazy. It's basically you know twice a I- month. The idea is sort of to have something that is fun, entertaining, and informative. You know that is is related to some of the stuff we talk about, but also completely brand new info that is out there in print form that we can sort of like uh, curate for you, you know, so that that it, it it you know gets like George said at what we're interested in and what we think would be kind of fun to to uh, mention that we aren't necessarily going to always mention on the podcast because as everybody knows, we always run out of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, often run yeah. over time. Yeah, oh, I'm glad that you pointed out that Eric is putting it together because yeah. So th- there's there's input for each of us, and then other things that, that Eric has found too that's relevant for the podcast because he's an avid listener. And uh, yeah, the last one that came through the the inbox, I like quickly like clicked through it, and I was like, oh, that's actually pretty interesting. I hadn't seen that. <laughs> there's a lot in there that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, me too. So it's a fun it, newsletter. I'm, yeah. I'm quite happy for it. I haven't seen another newsletter like it in the birding community. It, um, yeah. It, it's become my favorite newsletter. Wow. <laughs> wow that's, that's big. That's big talk there. Yeah, High praise. Yeah. High praise. High praise. Talk about, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, um, the other thing we should, uh, talk about is, um, a couple of things, right? Uh, Koa sports optics, our friends, they are, supporting us and you know we're as we're growing trying to do new things um also we are hearing they will be um changing some of we're going to give you some updates on this but you know their um social media stuff is changing from what i understand to a more u.s-based um group is that kind of 
Molly, what uh, you were hearing? Yep, yep, that's the uh, the plan. So, it, and it's actually just launched on social media. So there um, is a new like US based account for all of the US Koa content. Um, so Koa is is probably worldwide. includes Canada too, right? But yeah, it probably guess, includes yeah, Canada probably too. Does, yeah. yeah, North yeah. American, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So the Koa team is kind of spaced throughout Europe, uh, North America, and and Asia even. Um, a lot of the factories are in Japan, or maybe all of the factories. So the whole crew that's basically putting together content is spread out everywhere. And uh, now there's going to be a, a North American section of that. But a new website's coming too, and will be up yeah. in the next uh, couple weeks, or I think maybe beginning of March. Yeah, uh, that's that's good. The, um, yeah, I'm still so happy with my little little scope that you know I went from the I went from the big guy to the smaller one, and oh man, I don't miss the. I got to say, for a travel scope, it's amazing. Like the tough to beat, right? Yeah, and I don't ever feel like I'm missing out from not having the big guy, which was yeah. you know awesome to have when you, you're in a car or whatever and you're just driving places, but not so awesome when you're on a plane, you know? Yeah. Totally. I think yeah. Molly, you posted so someplace recently. You're like, my optics keep getting smaller and better. And that's exactly the way I feel. Yeah. It's like I've got, I've got some, my gear is, is much more packable, much lighter and just better all the time. And that scope, uh, the, the little 65 millimeter right or 66 yeah. uh, is really good. Yeah, I finally got a carbon tripod or carbon fiber tripod because the, the scope is like is so much easier to take around too, and I'm really really excited to have that and trying to break it in now before I uh, get down to the tropics. So it's it's nice. Yeah, I use the the 33 binoculars too, and I'm super happy with them. Another thing I wanted to mention, I'm curious. Do you all have con- compact binoculars that you use? I would like to get some just for like when, you know, like the car and like sometimes I go on hikes and I don't want to carry my main binoculars, but like I like to ruck a little bit, which is like rucking with weights. Yeah. And I don't want to carry my main binoculars, but I'd love to have what, like a small what is pair. rucking? Like rucksacking. It's like, oh. yeah, it's like ruck. Um, so you like you carry, carry weights in a backpack and it's, you know, it turns a hike into like actually more exercise so i don't really like going to a gym you know so uh, rucking what do you, what do you like take a bunch of like uh kindling and stuff you know like logs and stuff on your head like you know a lot of people <laughs> when you're out in Colombia and stuff mm-hmm. Guatemala you see people like going up hillsides you know with all some poles stuff and, on, yeah. on their head you know you should do that maybe it it's also true. strengthens your neck and yeah uh, helps out on your workout there. Yeah, just pile all your old optics on there that are yeah. yeah there you yeah, go. Bigger. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we could give. I'm not sure. Cool I feel, name, like, you know, I feel like, like I don't have the right head shape. You know, I feel like, but you know, it'd be worth a shot. Or I could get one of those like little, like you know, they get those like little round, like uh, it's like a like a padded ring that goes around their head that helps yeah. them carry this stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like the the you know the the folks that you know the women in in uh, India are saying, you know, mom, I, I don't think I want to go and get all this stuff because my head is just not quite the right shape. And it's like, I know, you, you got to go get the water. You got to. Are you saying, are you saying my head high. shape? You're saying my head shape is a first world problem? Is that what you're saying, Al? I, yeah. I think, yeah, you're, you're being mm-hmm. insensitive to the fact that uh, mm-hmm. you have the choice to uh, say your head shape yeah, is wrong. Perhaps true. <laughs> perhaps true. 
But to answer your your question, Molly, no, I do not have a compacts, and I would really like to get a pair or or like a good uh, monocular that like just fits in the pocket, you know, or like a keychain monocular that's pretty good. Yeah. It's hard to find. Or two monoculars glued together. Two monoculars. That's a great idea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a little focusing thing in the middle. Oh. <laughs> Patent that. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. You know. You <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. You know where other great ideas are going to be seen and heard about. Guys, on another new thing we're doing, Patreon. <laughs> you guys heard of this out there in, 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 you know, internet land? Well, we are joining the gang that is going to have different tiers of membership for our listeners in case you wanted extra stuff. And um, things like, you know, how we invented the binocular just now, you know. <laughs> we uh we're gonna do all sorts of stuff there little kind of um i would call them vignettes. audio articles vignettes yeah. and um also material that people request perhaps you know that the patreons request i want to drill deeper of you know in, into certain topics and so forth and i think we're again any cool ideas that you might have would be wonderful, but we have it set up behind the scenes, right? Um, Molly's been working on that, and I think we're going to start opening it up pretty soon, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's open as of this release. Um, but yeah, one thing that I'm really excited about, so some of the stuff that we'll put on there are like the little stories that we have that are um, – kind of too short for an episode, that sort of thing. But yeah, we think they're worth telling. But um, we've all talked about doing some some behind-the-scenes stuff, particularly when we're on tours and, yeah. like, when we're scouting or the, the you know, things that happen when you're not with the group or when you're with the group and um, putting all of that in. And I think that's going to be really fun. So we'll each be doing some of our recordings on that. So we'll have like interviews, I think, and some group things that maybe discuss something different too. Um, but we're each going to put some of our own stories into, into the Patreon. So and a lot of short the, and sweet the bonus things. content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Just so little like mini episodes. Topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. I, I, I think um, it may not quite have the studio sound that we're we uh, you know we have here, but the, it'll be really different, uh, really different kind of material. A lot of folks have asked us, you know, about having more material while we're traveling, while we're in the field. Um, that's been something that's come up in the mail. I think mm-hmm. it'd be fun to do that. It's it's often we've talked about. It's hard to do much that's really really organized on while you're traveling on tour, especially because often, you know, you're up at four or five in the morning and then you're, you know, you're not done till nine, 10, 11 at night and you're on the go pretty much the whole time. Typically there is ambient noise or you're focused on finding birds and, mm-hmm. and trying to get people on those birds. So it can be tough, but I think little vignettes yeah. where we're, we're talking about what we're seeing right. and experiencing, um, could be good windows into those locations and with some good information about those critters and birds. Um, So that'll be fun to talk about. And on my tours, at least, and I know probably your tours as well, there's also cocktail hour and that does take some time away from, you know, where one could be recording. So this is true. This is true. And sometimes that provides content for. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes content that probably shouldn't even be aired, but, uh, but yes, nonetheless. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
No, I, I do think it's it's great to think about having a venue, right? Where we could just sort of something happens on a trip, good or bad, funny or whatever, where you could just like almost pick up the the mic, record it, and go, you know what happened today? You know, just let me tell you. And then almost like a little story and then and throw it on there. I think that'd be really great because you just cannot come up with that spontaneity when you're three weeks later after the tour is done and so right and you ask oh what happened on your tour and and you just are it's it's kind of pat the moment has passed so capturing some of those moments would be yeah really a cool thing to try we'll see if yeah it works. yeah it's different i feel like afterwards sometimes it, you can have perspective that you might not have in the moment which can be useful right. but like the the thrill of the moment is not usually, it's hard, as you say, you can't really recapture that. So hopefully we'll get some of that. Right. Yeah, like the the time we had six different tires blow out on a Bolivia trip about 15, 20 years ago when I was, I think it was a field guides trip back in the day. (laughs) I mean, uh, it's the kind of thing that that during the day, if I could have recorded what I was thinking at the end of that day. (laughs) That would be really (laughs) really, really, really awesome to have that. Yeah. perspective because right now it's just a funny story at the time not so funny <laughs> yeah yeah it's true not so funny. i mean yeah let me ask you guys this <laughs> i i think there's maybe like i you must be different than me in this i am so wound up the whole time i'm on a tour and guiding a tour like i am just bursting i'm i guess i'm a pretty energetic person anyway but like that's just to a whole nother level like the adrenaline just runs constantly and i i feel like this will be a good outlet for me at the end of the oh, day yeah. to like you know get get it out of like the process that i've had and yeah yeah do you feel like that i think you all are probably a lot calmer than i am on tours i i think i am in a way i would say it's, i wouldn't say the opposite but i am a, like a wound up crazy you know, working like a machine during in between tours, getting things ready and whatever. And when I when I get on the tour, it's as if like I'm on stage and you know, sort of the, the lights come on and and everything calms. Like I'm suddenly doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm not doing the stuff that I worry about as much. It's weird. I, I worry mm-hmm. less on tour than I do before or after the tour. Absolutely. I'm not I totally worried. relate it's, to that. Yeah. It, so I'm, but I'm, I'm often, some days I'm really just excited about something go, that's going on. I, it like it flows, but I feel like I love the, the structure of a tour, the, the way that, you know, you have these like very, very rigid things that have to happen. You know, we have to be at this hotel by this point in time. We have to go and look at this park for a few hours and we need to hopefully see this and i love that 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 whole almost like storyline and i feel like as it's going along there's a point in time where three quarters of the trip is done i'm like oh my god like it's it's happened it's happened like things have gone and i wouldn't say necessarily always smoothly but the tour as a story has happened and i I feel really this euphoria often at about three quarters of the trip where I'm like, hmm. even if things go kind of little squirrely at the end, we've done, we've done all this, we've succeeded, you know, and I, I get that level of, it's a weird thing for me tours. Yeah. I, but I, I do kind of calm down when I'm on tour as if 
other things that are in my life are are not necessarily gone, but I have to, I almost like, you know, I, I squirrel them away in a different part of my brain. Well, I can't do that when I'm at home or in between tours. Yeah. So my brain's yeah, going full that. nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's a good question, Molly. I think, um, for me while I'm on tour, I try to maintain, um, sort of a, a baseline, you know, calm, let's keep it loose. Let's keep it fun and roll with the punches. Cause there's always something unexpected that happens. Um, and, and I think most of the people that travel with me see that and recognize that. And so, you know, when stuff goes wrong, hopefully I don't fall too bar- far below that baseline. Um, but I think something that's a little unfortunate sometimes is that when really good stuff happens is that I don't necessarily get as high up off of that baseline. Now, there's exceptions to that, like a really good, you know, wildlife sighting, you know, su- you know, super unexpected bird or just mind-blowing experience with the bird. You know, that's a high that you can ride for days. And, uh, like, I felt like that after that pelagic you and I did. Um, like, for days afterwards, yeah. I was just like, I was riding that, you know. <laughs> and, and, like, you know, Kristen here could tell and t- talking to my dad, he could, you know, he could tell how just juiced I was, you know. Um, so there, there are days that really, you know, lift you and just propel you in, in a, in a emotionally different way. Uh, and I think there's no hiding that. And, um, for me at least, so it kind of, it depends, you know, like hopefully everything's, you know, kind of going, you know, normal and good and progressing and, and you're seeing what you want to see. Um, but then, you know, stuff, unexpected stuff can happen. That's not necessarily great or really amazing. And, uh, and that, that'll change stuff as might be yeah. expected. And I, I think too, like the crowd, the the folks you're with have such a, an influence. Like it's like this give and take. Yes. You know, almost like group energy. Yeah. Group energy where, where you're guiding the group energy and they're guiding you. And if it kind of flows nicely, that's great. And sometimes it's, it can be off, right? Like, you know, there's a, well, so, you know some some situation or something and and then i i kind of kick into to sort of a like how to manage almost the group dynamic yeah. to get it back to that balance and then mm-hmm. that's that's something too that if 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 i can feel like i've averted some level of discord uh, discord yeah i i get a little euphoric feel after that like how much mm-hmm. oh gosh i've really kind of did my job there because it's not about it's not it's about, about the experience. out birds all the time, yeah. right? I mean, the whole you're experience. almost there as a little kind of, I don't know. I, I would say football football coach. <laughs> you're like football coach, janitor, shepherd, <laughs> you know, barkeep, you know. Um, it's like, it's a Comic. lot of different roles. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah, it kind of feels like a like a puzzle to me, but it's more open-ended. It's not like you've done yeah. your job or you're not. You're like, you know, you can always kind of take it up another notch in, in one way or another and in, in making that yeah. dynamic work. Yeah. You know, when I get with a group of people like that and, and the tour starts, I, I really do think to myself, like, I can be as excited and thrilled and passionate and happy about everything we see and just thankful to be here and, like, let that all show and the group is just going to feed off of it. And it's, yeah, that is such an incredible feeling to me. Yeah, yeah I think it's true. Yeah. And, and that's part of our job as guides is to be like, hey, look, this is different and extraordinary. Like, 
you know, and because they they know we see a fair amount of stuff. And uh, yeah, so this doesn't happen every day. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I did get that a couple of times on this last trip where people say, oh, I love it when the guys get really excited because you know it's something really different or cool or something. Yeah. Just, yeah. That moment that you talked about. Oh, yeah. With, which one? Yeah, the the moment like three quarters of the oh, way through. Yeah, yeah. To, to me, I always, I love that first group dinner when we kind of do the introductions. Everyone's a little like stiff and maybe a little awkward and kind of feeling each other out and then at some point you're all sitting together at a meal and you're all like the whole table's chatting and everyone's talking about the shared experiences they've had or just like getting excited and like being comfortable with each other and i i love that moment you're like yep this is this is our family right now and this is we've settled in yeah, the the volume at the dinner table, like you know, from day compare comparing day one to like day four, is always you know it's fun and interesting to to observe. Yeah, you know, one thing that's actually been really cool recently in the last I guess year or so that we've been doing it's like a little WhatsApp group for each tour. That first, you know, is a little bit about like exchanging information, what's going to happen, did everybody arrive okay? But as soon as the tour gets going. You know, first it's people asking like, what was uh, breakfast time again? Then little by little, it's like sharing photos. And by the end of it, it's mm-hmm. just all photos and the good times. Like it, it, you could almost read the WhatsApp group and see the storyline <laughs> of the tour happen. And we kind of didn't have anything quite like that before that, that really sort of encompassed the, the almost like timeline of the trip and how people felt about it. So it's kind of a neat thing. Um, that's a good point. Hey guys, um, speaking of tours, what is coming up for both of you in the next while in terms of tours? Molly? So I'm headed back. We're actually kind of repeating what we did for the Lifeless tour. Um, it's a Hillstar tour in, in a couple weeks in Columbia. So that's Central Andes. Um, it's starting and kind of working our way up into the Paramo. So getting up into 12,000 feet or so. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a fun tour. I'm so excited yeah. in case I haven't said that enough in this episode you're already. Gonna, you're going to feed little hummingbirds from your hand? Is I that, imagine is there is a good chance that will happen. Maybe some uh, big hummingbirds too. Big yeah. Hummingbirds. Some, yeah. Some big sapphire hummingbirds. wings. Yeah. 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 Uh, lots of ampittas. Just like, it's, it's just a fun, very, very blissful tour. After that, like I said, I'll be in Colombia until mid-March, um, just doing some personal travel, going to Columbia Bird Fair, scouting for future tours, all of that good stuff. Um, meeting up with a lot of friends. And man, it's a lot of work to figure out logistics for something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's the it's it's really fun too. And uh and then I'm home for a few weeks before Cuba uh in April for yeah. Uh, Alvaro's adventures. So, those are those are my next two. Cool. Yeah. What do you got, George? What do you got coming up? Yeah, got a bunch of stuff. You know, um, I'm pretty. I'm excited about um, our, our our Tanzania trip that's coming up in in uh, 2025. Uh, we only have one spot left, and but I just I know all the folks that have registered, and it's a really good bunch so there's one more spot left for that i'm excited to be going back there it's what i call the ultimate safari i think uh probably most folks that follow my social media have seen some of the imagery and it's 
it's a great tour um, for birders, but also for people that just want to do a nice mix of birds and wildlife. You know, the big game. It's you know iconic spots, the the uh, the Serengeti and uh, the Ngorogoro Crater and Tarangire National Park. Um, it's a nice loop uh, in northern Tanzania where you're basically birding and looking for mammals the whole time. Um, even like on the travel days, like between spots, you're just kind of – you don't notice that you're traveling as much because you're, you're birding and seeing, you know, huge numbers of mammals the whole time. Um, so just to give people an idea, like last time we had over 400 species of birds while spending lots and lots of time looking at mammals. We had – we had, I think we had a two-day stretch where we had something like 60 lions. Um, you know, so it's it's really an amazing trip. I'm excited about that. I'm excited for Al, Al, our uh, Alaska trip that's coming up. There's one spot left on the Outposts trip, which goes to St. Paul and Nome. Uh, Nome, arguably my favorite spot in Alaska. So I'm excited about that. Also, I got a new trip I'm, I'm on about to release uh, in January of 2025 to Eastern Colombia, to uh, a part that not many people go to. I went there uh, during the pandemic, actually, in 20, March of 2021, kind of as travel was just starting to open up again, barely, really. Um, I wasn't even vaccinated at the time. I think we, t- we did a, a pod talking about it a little bit, but it's to these white sand forests. Uh, it's, it's kind of an area of confluence where a bunch of different influences come together. Uh, they call it the fluvial star of Colombia because there's kind of multiple rivers that all come together, most notably the Orinoco River. Uh, so you know you're really far east there. And uh, and there's all these white sand birds and really range-restricted birds. It's a lot of birding on foot or birding by uh, motorized canoe. So that's different than a lot of other trips, right? We we fly to the spot. We spend, what, six nights all at the same location. And then it's just day trips from there, all either working on foot or by motorized canoe. So I'm pretty excited about that. Is this uh, why you're I, rucking to get up that hill, the big, big old <laughs> hill that you did last time? You know, we're going to – that is a serious hike that we did last time, and I doubt I'm in better shape now than I was then. Th- that also – rucking. <laughs> yeah, some more rucking I could do it for sure. And uh, the problem is I'm about to go to India for a month and eat like, you know, nobody's business and not do a whole lot of rucking. But uh, but I think uh, we will visit that spot just to see it because it's dramatic. Uh, the Cerros of Mabacure, Kuvre, it's called, and they're basically some of the oldest tipuis, these little flat-top mesa mountains – um, these are some of the, what, the, the westernmost, I guess. And, um, and it, they just rise to, you know, it's flat Amazonia all around. And all of a sudden you've got these hills rising up. It's, it's an incredible place um, and sort of a spiritual place really for, for certainly the indigenous folks, but just it, it, it is really evocative. Um, huh. And there's some good birding nearby and some dark water, Varzia forests, um, so it's it's a pretty it's a really cool place, a great bunch of birds, and um, a nice taste of Amazonia along with sort of a taste of the Anos and these white sand specials. So, so, so for for those people that don't, you know, they, if you haven't been to Amazonia, there's this really patchwork of different habitats you can access sometimes in like really short distances, and one of them is Varzia Forest is actually forest that is inundated for part of the year. So it's actually kind of a swamp forest, but when you often when you go birding, it's actually moderately dry there. But it's a different habitat with different birds. Sand forest is like this old, you know, sand deposits that 
are from way back before the Andes were around and they have a whole different kind of vegetation and endemic birds there. And there's terra firme forest, which is highland forest or not highland, but like dry forest and never, never, never. Flood seasonally. Yeah. And then this dark water, it's like rivers come in dark and pale water rivers and the dark water is almost like tea. And it's got a whole, again, different set of plants and birds and insects that live in. And you're like, how can this all be in the same place? But it, it off, well, it, the sand forests are actually kind of the rarest, but yeah, you, you can have uh, these different habitats and, you know, to the person's never been there. You, you always think, Oh, it's just like one big forest. Oh no, no. It's like a mosaic of different types of forest. And that's part of what makes it really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go back to the Amazonian yeah. region one day. <laughs> there's, there's so many rare things that, you could run into that your chances of running into something rare are actually pretty good. Um, huh. So. Hey, it's common to run into rare things. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty, fun. sounds, sounds pretty cool. We, I've got, yeah, we got, well, Molly mentioned Cuba. Cuba is got spots open still April 1st to and you know it's not April Fools, but it's a real deal. April to the twelfth, and uh, Cuba. We've talked about it before. It's not only a great birding destination, but it's also really interesting culturally, politically, and so forth. And it's your next door neighbor. And we can we do that trip. Um, you know, it's uh, sanctioned in a sense. You know, we we do it all by the book in terms of U.S. policy in in Cuba for people visiting the country. And then we've just had enough uh, people in the last few weeks to make Thailand to go as well, which is March 21st to April 5th with Peter Burke. And that is going to be a fantastic trip with um, local experts also um, guiding on that trip. Um, and if you want a trip that's got amazing birds and superb food as well as culture, I mean, Thailand is one of those countries, I think. It's kind of like India. Yeah, like, I was just going to say, yeah. There's this has just got tons to see. It's um it's it's uh visually stunning in so many ways and then culturally interesting and the food is part of like wow. Yeah, such a big yeah. part of the experience there. We talk about food a lot while we're traveling, but like India and Thailand are a couple places where the food is a big big part of the experience. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Is that yeah, focused Japan in Central Thailand? Thailand? Are you going from it's Bangkok? Gonna be, it's going to be, yeah, it's sort of Bangkok area for a bit, then fly to the north. Yeah, sort of the oh, northern, cool. Go, know, go up to Doyen Tanan and, and yeah. the uh, Himalayan birding up there. That's yeah. quite a diversity of habitats as well. I know, yeah. Himalayan, as I was told, and, you know, yeah, well, corrected many times in, in India. You know, yes. You Himalayan. They, Why do you say We're Himalayan? American. We're allowed to mispronounce stuff, you know. Yeah, so I'm... Now I'm just going to say Himalayan. Hello, Himalayan. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're saying my name. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's my formal name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, uh, we should talk about India. I want to talk about. Yeah, India. man. I was going to say you just got back. Let's. What, what did like what did you see? Ago. Where did you go? Like First what? Did, of you know. Two things I'm very upset about. One, oh boy. there's no IPA. In India. <laughs> That's true. That is true. India oh, no. Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. None. 
None to yeah. be found. Just that Kingfisher beer. Kingfisher beer and have, scotch, you know? They it's have like, two versions of Kingfisher beer. I could not tell them apart. It's like basically <laughs> it's a different label and the same. But isn't, isn't one is strong beer, right? It's what they call strong beer? I don't know. They called it ultra or something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not seeing the difference here, you know? And then we got some microbrew kind of stuff, you know, with a little monkey on it. And there was another one that's like him, a bear on it and stuff. And they were weirdly sweet. Like they had like a sweetness to them that was odd. Okay, anyways, I wanted to ask, are you having the beer, the beer with dinner or separate? Because like an IPA and Indian food doesn't sound like it mixes to me. So maybe a sweeter beer uh, makes you sense. You know, there, there can be beer at the checklist time, you know, that kind of thing. And then, yeah. then, you, know, then you flow into dinner time and beer or something. So, yeah, I um, people tried Indian wine. Not, not recommended. Apparently not. <laughs> wow. Not just like you're just wow. This here it is. The Chilean California guy is just like telling people yeah. across the board to not drink Indian wine. I'm sure that's going to go over great. Yeah. 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 On the other <laughs> hand, I had Old Monk Indian rum. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. That's that was good. And uh, people, of course, gin and tonics. You know. Oh yeah. Lots of gin and tonics. It's good weather for that. Classic. There. Classic. Mm-hmm. Here's the other complaint I have. I brought like three shorts, you know, to wear in <laughs> India. I know it's winter, but it it was cold. Like it was uh, it was freezing cold all the time and foggy. And it, <laughs> they were closing schools down. Like you know, kids couldn't go to school because it was so cold. The locals were like, "We've never seen it so cold here ever." And I'm like, "But I brought my shorts, you know, like I." I what am I going to do with those? You know, and we were surprised at how unprepared we were for this level of cold, and how unprepared all of India was for this level of cold. Because wow, there was no heating anywhere, and it it became like an issue. You know, at times we wow. were just open air jeeps, right? And you're like, you have blankets all around you, and your hat and so forth. the the how the the buses don't have heating. Because they just never need it, you know. So, how cold are you talking here? Like, um, it was like, uh, you know, there was one day I think we might have had frost on the ground and several, lots of mornings where you know you could see your breath big time. It was, it was, you know, I think it was like four Celsius or something like. It was, what would that be like in the high thirties? Yes, yeah, so like thirty nine like or something like that. Thirty, yeah, 30, yeah. And then, you know, even if it's a little warmer and you're in an open-air Jeep, you know, tooling around, um, and fog often for the entire day, which, again, they said, oh, this is normal in December, but never in January. The weather was all messed up. So I, yet our guide was like, wow, we've had, like, really, really bad weather. We've had such luck with everything, you know, like finding things in the fog and seeing some really rare birds and cool mammals that he was like, you guys are the luckiest people on earth because we had fog, fog, fog. And then the next day we were going to Taj Mahal and it cleared up for that one day to oh, go wow. to the Taj Mahal. God, that would be painful. And then they got fog, foggy the next day, you know? That would so be painful was, to go to the yeah. Taj and like yeah. not really be able to see it. Yeah. yeah so it was, we were super lucky and we were laughing about the weather at the end. Um, wow. You got me kind of freaked out. 
Yeah, like I I'm leaving know. on I'm leaving Friday, and I'm like, I mean, I, I was gonna, I kind of told some folks, and I'll tell everybody to bring a little more layerage than I expected. Of course, by then it'll be further along, and it could be just right. normal. But we'll see. It could be normal, but yeah, I mean, I wished I'd had long johns, and and I don't ever use long johns like J- Japan in winters. It's about you know sometimes Patagonia, but man, I could not believe it. I mean. It was not expected, and it, it was really. But the fact that Did, we saw some amazingly cool things, you know, and there's always the chai to warm you up, you know, the nice yes. uh, chai tea. That, yeah, that's, uh, so that's a great midday good. thing. Yeah, yeah, anytime really, anytime. So, what region were you in, and how far were you traveling in this itinerary? We're, we were in the north, so we started in New Delhi, and then kind of went a little further south to uh, the Tiger Reserve um, and then went up north towards the base of the Himalayas to Jim Corbett. You know, so it wasn't a huge um, amount of uh, distance, although it can take a while in Indian Road. So I would say we were never kind of more than five hours away from Delhi, either towards the south and towards the north. Um, that, that's roughly where, what we did. Um, so we were in the in the north, which is is the coldest place, of course, in the in the winter. But um, <laughs> yeah, and it it was um, uh, I would say like for me, first time in India, I knew it was going to be kind of like crazy, you know the the whole driving and you know the whole complexity of India, but. It, it was insane to some extent. Like I would we'd be driving at times, you know, and there's, it, it was almost like a, like a choreographed, some kind of like weird, like know, the traffic patterns show or something. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, where, you know, some tuck tuck thing would cross in front yeah. of you going right. And another one cross left, you know, at the same time. Yeah. Like and there'll be like a cow or some goats and, you know, with, you know, thrown in the mix. Yeah. And a goat. And then you'd, yeah. you know, f- drive by some, adorned parked camels and uh you're like oh there's some camels there parked there by the side of the road you know it's like <laughs> and <laughs> you know with all this regalia kind of stuff on them and uh and people walking across or at, at random times and everybody's honking the horn all the time like all the time to the point where i thought like what's the point of honking the horn what do you what do you what do you do you know you know and what then, they say in India in right. order to drive you need three things right you need a good driver a good horn and good luck <laughs> yeah that's right good <laughs> luck the and and then the driver I mean the the, the guides local guides Ansar and his brother Robin um, they they said well it's like you're you're not actually honking your horn because you're annoyed. You're honking your horn to communicate that you're there. Yes, exactly. It's like, I'm over might, here. I'm over here. Don't, you know, don't, like, don't, beep, don't come beep, any further over here. Yeah. Right. And then sometimes the horns are just not like horns. They're like, <laughs> you know, like this like <laughs> musical horn where you're like, what the heck is that? You know, and then this truck goes by. And, and uh, there's a point in time where I was just like, you know, I cannot believe this, you know. We we are surviving this, and I, I could try to imagine myself driving there and just getting killed instantly. You know, <laughs> you, you have like a video game where you just right, die immediately, right? Yeah, <laughs> do 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 do. Game right? over. <laughs> game over. 
And the, and the reason is because they all know kind of how it all works and you yeah. don't. It is. Right? It's a rhythm. It's like a, it's a rhythm. Yeah. It's like a flow. Yeah. And, and I, you know, you don't see like a ton of accidents like here and there are fender bender, but yeah, just like anywhere else really. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was really insane in that way. And then you go into the cities or a town and there's like colors everywhere. Like everything's a different color and the ads for each shop are like, you're almost like what's going on here. Right. It's just so much to look at it and people dressed with different, um, types of dress depending on their religion their region or what have you where you're where i felt like i need a field guide to the turbans and in fact we found one you know online you know oh, wow. what each one of them means for different you, you got to share that you got to share that i know yeah I, and and it's it's all all of that where you you just cannot understand what diversity means until you go and history, like, history, you know, yeah. like I feel like, you know, Americans, there's a segment, uh, you know, we have our history, good, bad, whatever. Um, but there's a segment I feel like that like so cherishes these like 200, 300 years. And then like, you know, you're you're going along in India and you'll be like, you know, what's that huge old thing over there? And they'll be like, yeah, that's from, you know, the second century and da, 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 and you're just like <laughs> – you know, we think we have history here, and we do, and and obviously it's a lot richer if you look at the Native American history. But like, you go there, and it's just like sort of, it's just, it's pervasive, you know. Right, right. And it, it's also, I think, you know, the Buddhists have this uh, kind of concept. I think that Hinduism also has something similar, given that they're related religions and that of of impermanence that things just change and it's changes part of life and how things happen. So sometimes like a building is, you know, collapsing like a, an old ruin or whatever, and there's goats all around it. And then they'll say, Oh, that's the ruins of some really important thing. And if it was us, we'd be like, Oh, we need to restore this, get the goats out of there. Like just, you know, make a park. But they're just like, well, that was what was. And yeah, the goats are there today and things just kind of like flow and it's a different perspective in how they view history. Of course, not everybody yeah. and not, you know, and there's some crazy political stuff going on too. That, sure. You know, yeah. Going on right now that more complicated than I think I want to get into, but yeah. you know, we were learning about some of that too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the current government and so forth. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Molly, you were saying before how like, you're fascinated by India and yet it's like you find it intimidating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really common. Um, that's a, totally. that's a, that's a common sentiment when you raise India. I can see it sometimes people like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I want to go there. And I'm like, I get where you're coming from. I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, maybe stigma might be too strong a word about travel in India um, is outdated at this point. Like Mm -hmm. sure you can get sick there uh, while traveling and experience, you know, intestinal stuff, but that can happen pretty much anywhere when you're traveling. And it's not have any of that. Yeah. It's, I'd say it's worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's unusual. Like the places, you know, they're so used to Western tourists now and, and dealing with Western diets and people that aren't accustomed to, 
you know, that don't have the same gut flora as they do in India, that it's a pretty well-oiled machine at this point. And it is true that it can be overwhelming, but that's kind of part of the beauty of it, um, of that country, is that, you know, you, you in within minutes, you can see stuff that is stunningly beautiful, horribly grotesque, you know, just a master, you know, a, a, a you know, an incredible, you know, piece of human architecture and creation and and then just you know you know sad stuff that you see happening um it's it's everything um and i think a lot of it is there are a lot of people and there's a lot of history and you know that's that just means that it's there's a lot happening um so yeah oh yeah well i don't mean to imply at all that that deters me from wanting to go Mm-hmm. it's it's totally the opposite like i i love hearing alvar you describe what it was like for you just to to experience the the cultural aspects of it and i feel like everybody just comes back and and has like similar stories of just the the, the overwhelm um that's just so incredibly fascinating to me um and like on a surface level i i hear what you and and everyone says and it makes sense but also i'm like i I have to experience that. Like, I don't think I can hear a story of what that's like and really get a sense unless I'm, I'm there and experiencing it myself. But logistically, um, that's where I feel like it just seems like a really, I mean, if I were to pick somewhere to, to go on a birding tour myself, I think I would probably be starting with the places that would be hardest for me to plan. And India, I think (laughs) really ranks high for me. And I think that that is key for, you know, for us, like having the right ground agents and operators and yeah. stuff, you know, that, so they really take care of things and, you know, they give you the information that you need and, you know, that, that's absolutely key in everywhere really, but a place like India more so because if, if something goes wrong, right. Um, or if something is, you know, going to potentially disturb what your your plan is you want to have people who know how to get around it or figure it out or i mean we had to leave a little earlier because of some pot- potential like political you know things that may have may have happened on the 22nd so you know on the 21st we, we decided just to leave where we were skip a morning of birding and just go because we wanted to get back on time and we would not have known any of that if we didn't have all the inside scoop right so the uh, the local op- guides and ground agents are like, yeah, no, let's let's get out of here. Another Just friend of mine, sure, you know, f- friend of mine who works that I work with there, he says, when it comes to service and logistics, he's like, if something happens that's difficult, he says, difficult, no problem, impossible, we'll take some time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I think that there's something to that, like. If if you go to like I don't know Argentina, and and somebody says no, you know can't do that, and you're like, come on, let's make it happen, let's make it happen. They're like, no, can't do it, can't do it. You know, just no, no. India, it's more like, yeah, there's a way, there's some way, there's there's, right. there's a way to just this, have to whether, conjure it. You know, you just to have to conjure, conjure it, figure it out. Yeah. Who do you have to know? Who do you have to? Um, whatever it is, there's always a way, and and I think that's like somewhat liberating to some extent um hmm, when yeah. you know you have somebody on your team that 
that can make things happen if you if you need it you know um mm. i i the other thing too like there's some mysteries that i i feel like i should have figured this out and i didn't one of them was like most food is buffet right and you have like this amazing the colors alone like yeah you know you the, open the up foods, all the, the meals are beautiful yeah yeah you you open it up right one is green the other one's orange the other one's red the other one's white and you know like whoa you know i've never seen so much color in in all the curries and and you know the veneers and all this stuff right but if it was the us we would have like the first thing you would have in the line would be the rice right you'd have the rice and then like like the the bread like the naan or chapatis or whatever but it was never that it was always like one of the curries there was usually two at least two of you know dishes then the dal which is like the mm-hmm. lentils one of my favorite things every place has and got then the, dal. the rice yeah and you're like, why the hell? And so we would all like go to the rice first. <laughs> like we'd go in the middle and then go. And I know we were doing it all wrong, but nobody ever explained to us why. <laughs> and sometimes all of the vegetarian dishes were there. And then the dessert. And you didn't know it was dessert, dessert unless you knew what it was, right? <laughs> you know, you thought it was just another thing to stick on the rice. But, you know, so you have to first kind of figure out the, the situation. And then the meat dishes were after that. And you're like, okay, I figured that out, you know. But there were all these things that you're just like, why does this not? And then, then the the, the breads are never out, right? Like the, and there's usually like a dude that comes out and gives you the, you know, the chapati or the naan or whatever, and he comes around the table and and hands them out. And first it'll be this one, then it'll be like the butter naan, then it'll be like the garlic. And the reason is that they're making it all from scratch and they want you to have it warm. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're not just have this bread just sitting mm-hmm. there like, and so it's like constantly going around and like, Ooh, I kind of like this, like having like the non dude, you know, just always, you actually, always you around. have to be careful what you order sometimes because they, sometimes they won't tell you that they can't do it, but they also won't tell you that it might take an extra hour to prepare whatever it is or to procure whatever it is you've yeah. asked for because the service ethic there is so strong that um that like you you do like sometimes you'd be like somebody would be like can i have this juice and you want to be like oh da, 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 bu, 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 bu. you know like yeah. they offer these three kinds i recommend you go with those those ones yeah. because otherwise you could be waiting for that juice for quite a long time so yeah no it's and well, i haven't even talked about the birds and stuff i was well, gonna say you, you got a cursor Indian person. Yeah, Al, you got to give us. You know, we're we're an hour in here. We're we're running down <laughs> on our our time. You got to give us some some highlights um, here about what you saw. I wanted yeah. to see um, Indian cursor. That was one of the main things I would want to see. I wanted to see the Indian skimmer. There were a few things that were sort of high on my list because of various the a tree swift. I'd never seen a tree swift in my life. Right, so all those were achieved. We also saw a cup wing, which is like a little small family of birds. Yes. Now it's, it's it's its own family. Like the those are so cool. Cup yeah. wing it looks like a little tiny ampita. mini ampita. Yeah, kind of little mini brown absurdly ampita. Absurdly cute. Absurdly cute. Yeah, and all of that was just crazy. You know, just those those really super specific things I want to see. But the big birds were great. Like 
bar-headed goose, um, painted storks. The the multiple water birds were great. Uh, just seeing a, just a bunch of um, um, winter plumage garganies. I just overjoyed by the fact that like that's a bird I always think, oh, I could one day might find one of these around here. Yes. Will I even know what it looks like? And I was like, oh, yeah, you will know because they're just distinctive. Yeah. But you don't know until you see the real thing, right? You're just like, oh, wow. It doesn't look like a green-winged teal. It doesn't look like a blue-winged teal. It looks like that. So I, I had some real nice um, hmm. kind of training sessions for like almost vagrant finding here. Um, it's similarly with like spotted red shank. I'd only seen a couple of those before in my life and seeing a bunch of those was, was great. And getting lots of green and wood sandpipers around. The, the Indian skimmer is a cool one. Like there's only three speed, depending on your taxonomy, right? I know how you're ready to split one of those South American ones, freshwater one, right? And I, I totally am on board with you, but currently there are three recognized species of skimmers in the world and Indian is the the most endangered. I think there's maybe six, seven thousand or something like that total. And they're they're increasingly, you know, their range is increasingly restricted. Um that is a special bird to see. And uh you visited that Chambal River Sanctuary. Yeah. That's a pretty cool spot. There's the like the diversities the Yeah, the gharials. Yeah, the, like you can't. Gariel looks like something you would have seen in a you know a book on prehistoric era. You know, with dinosaurs. You what you once you if you're not aware of that animal and you you don't know it exists, you know it's worth looking up a gharial. Um It's hard to believe that that thing still is there. And then there's those huge Gangetic uh, soft shell turtles there as well. Yeah. Which and we saw the river dolphin too. Yeah, that's <sighs> special to be able to yeah. see that. Wow. Yeah, just a little fin, but I mean, that's yeah. all you see. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you were around a lot of water, but there must have been some some proper forest too, yeah? Yeah, dry forest in, in the south of of um, Delhi and then more broadly forest to the north. It really changes, like totally different habitats. Huh. And, and then the, in the south, uh, you know, Ranthambore is known for tigers and you do these like morning and afternoon little safari drives we went and you wait at a gate you know and then they open a gate at a certain time and you kind of roll in five minutes five minutes in and we saw our first tiger like five minutes couldn't believe it and the guys were like insane and we followed it for like two hours doing this thing and um and then the rest of the time we were there no more tigers we were lucky that in the north we found we found another two but in Corbett, the guys were like, yeah, the guys oh, were wow. like, that never happens that A, you yeah. see a tiger that quickly and B, you see them both in both places, Corbett. Yeah, that's so lucky. Like, you guys are lucky, you know, elephants, my life for Asian elephants. So that was, I saw, cool. I saw Ansar with a video of you. I guess he was in the front vehicle. You were in the back video I, and you're with like, you know, somebody, some of the folks in the back vehicle and there's like this tiger just walking around in front of your vehicle there. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, look at that. Yeah, it was crazy. And then I spotted a little jungle cat, which in the end is probably harder to see than a tiger. But, you know, (laughs) like I got a little cat here and they're like, what? You know, it's like a jungle cat. Small cats. Yeah. Man. Wow. But the birding was great. Like it was just, um, 
a lot of things that were relatively easy to see. Um, I, I do think there's a, a, a level of when you're mixing, like trying to find tigers with birding, um, there's a little frustration there in that, like when you're in these safari vehicles and so forth, they don't really cater to stopping for every bird. And sometimes like you'll hang out, you know, five, you know, just a short amount of time, then they keep on going. And that there's a element there. That's like, that'd be wonderful to sort of have a dedicated birder driver. Um, but you don't, you know, like they're randomized who you get. And so forth. I found that was a f- bit of a frustrating aspect of, of uh, birding, Burning while tigering. I don't know if you've thought the same thing in the past, George. We go to different spots and we have small – I think in, in Ranthambore, you're probably using those canter trucks. Yeah. Um, we use the smaller um, – the Jeeps. Um, and um, We use Jeeps and Corbett. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, anyway, we like we. I th- I think we've got it. So we do because I had that experience before in in Rentabor, and I'm not sure there's much you can do about it there. But uh, but yeah, we have a little more influence, I think, on the on the drivers, which is good. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, there was uh, yeah, a real. Yeah, I thought. I thought that would have been something that sort of, if you could have like so many places we have our dedicated drivers, you know, who've been birding essentially for years and they know exactly what to do. Yeah. And uh, it seems impossible in much of India because of the systems in which the parks, how they function. Like you, you just get a driver, you know, assigned to you and it might be that one for that one morning, the afternoon, it'll be a different vehicle, different driver. So you don't have a rapport you build up with them and you have right. a local guide who is there to a local guide as well as a, a, you know, more regional guide as, as well as a park guide, you know, and, and still, uh, I think sometimes you just gotta be like, stop, stop. We want to still take pictures of this little Brown thing, you know? Right. You know, I've definitely had trouble us. breaking through yeah. that mentality. And if you'll allow me one more quote on India, it's, it's that they say in India, they took three things from the British and improved on them. One was cricket, the game of cricket. Yeah. The other is the train system. And then the third is bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> bureaucracy oh my god i gotta say that i the leaving india the airport was i would say about the worst airport experience i've ever had mm, <laughs> like, you should try is you should try israel sometime <laughs> I, no, I've, been, I've done that one that wasn't that bad oh my god <laughs> i this barely made my like flight a, yeah. this sounds like this a, a patreon crazy. story here yeah, yeah there yeah. you go this yeah. Yeah. Hear this. anyway <laughs> and and it it was all sort of like, you do not need to do this. You do not need to do this. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I would, you know, yeah. And there was even like changing money. It was like, uh, I've, I had some rupees, you know, and I was like, oh, I want to change these back to, to dollars. And she's like, okay, but we can own up to a hundred dollars. That's it. Okay. All right. So I had like $25 worth left of rupees. <laughs> so I went to the other exchange place, like across the, the way at the, the airport. And it goes, Nope, can't exchange it because we only exchange a hundred dollars. And I was like, okay, you exchange only up to a hundred, and you only exchange a hundred. I was like, how does this work? You know? And they're like, nope, <laughs> we don't want your money. So then I went inside, and they they all said, you got to go inside 
and inside there's Thomas Cook, and they will exchange this amount of money. I'm like, okay. Went to the Thomas, Thomas Cook guy, and he said, um, I would, but I don't have the right amount of U.S. bills. I'm like, okay. So I, exchange, I ended up exchanging, you know, in Qatar on my way home. I was just like, okay, that did not need to be that complicated. I don't know. But uh, there you go. Some of the things that you get left Beautiful things and not so beautiful things about yeah. India. That's, as, wh- that's as why we travel. Place. Yeah, as exactly. That's place. why you travel for those for <laughs> the challenged that, that spectrum. Uh, Molly, before we scoot, I saw you using those. You, you do have compact binoculars. I want. Oh look. yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. They, so what are, they sit what are around. Those? Um, these are the these are the the nice co ones. So here here's my thoughts on compact binoculars because I had cheap ones and then I got these. Koa Genesis, it's like their top line, but they're eight by twenty twos. They are so nice to have. So I was just looking. I think I just got my high count of cardinals. I just counted twenty one cardinals here. Good lord! I don't usually get a lot of cardinals. Oh, yeah, man. it's kind of cool. Um, That's a whole yeah, my feeders have cardinals. been. Yeah, yeah. You know, you see the pictures of like a bush full of cardinals sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, I've never seen that, but I, I just did. Um, but. Like the quality matters more when the optics get smaller, you know, like yeah. if you have bigger binoculars that are literally letting in more light, then you can get away with a little more. But after having nice compact binoculars that, that can actually do well, um, I, I would never go back. I've, I've used these a ton. I've been running a lot lately, too, and they're like small enough that I can just have them in my pocket while I'm running and I run along the river. So it's always nice to, to pick stuff up while I'm doing that. But, yep, good compacts. A lot of cardinals. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. So on that note, um, I'm going to get some stuff together to put in a backpack, and I'm going to go running with that just to train. <laughs> there you lucking. go. Uh, yeah. And then with my little compact binoculars. Uh, and uh, Anyway, <laughs> great I to like talk to you guys again. It's been it seems like it's been a while since we've, it's all three of us. Maybe it's just, I've been traveling, but um, yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah. So goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Cheers Bye, all. Everyone.